the Fantasy Football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Bueller, and uh, this is kind of weird, guys. I just heard that Jerry Jones is insisting that we stand for the podcast. I'm Jeff Dooley. I hadn't heard that one. No, it's strange, huh? Uh, you didn't get the memo then. All right, well, lots going on in the National Football League this week. Uh, the protests just a part of the storyline. Odell Beckham done for the year, and the New York Giants just keep on reeling. <laughs> Dominique uh, Rogers Cromartie. Came to practice and then just left. I think he's quit on the season. He certainly looks like he's quit on the Giants. And elsewhere, Adrian Peterson has a new team. So will he be reborn or just retire in the desert? We'll break down those big developments. But first, Peterson's trade got us thinking about this week's big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL team. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, fellas, the big idea for this week is that purely looking at it from a fantasy football perspective, the Adrian Peterson trade to Arizona is a great thing for fantasy owners on a couple levels. One is it opens up that log jam in the New Orleans backfield for two more promising fantasy assets than Adrian Peterson in Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Now, a lot of people were discussing, hey, Adrian Peterson hasn't had that much of a workload, but even his, you know, seven touches a game, uh, or or whatever it was around there, that's still a lot to distribute among those two guys, assuming it's mostly going to go to the two of them. So both of their stocks get boosted. They are uh, in the fantasy starter range. And then Adrian Peterson, no one else was making any progress in the a- Arizona backfield. Who knows what he's able to do there, maybe uh, a scheme that's a little bit more suited to him, a little bit uh, a little bit better role. So from a fantasy s- standpoint, it's it was a great trade. And we started to come up with our own, went to the laboratory, what trades would we want to see that are slightly realistic, but mostly just from a fantasy standpoint, uh, benefit owners uh, of, of players on both sides. So, guys, take it away. Yeah, so these are really just trades that would fix things for fantasy owners more so than the real-life teams. But there are some, they are grounded in some realistic principles. So, for <laughs> some, instance... Some vague sense of realism. Yeah, exactly. It's creative nonfiction, right. let's it's, call it's it. Mostly for our amusement and our, and our fantasy wish list. But, hey, you know, there, there's a chance. All right, so I'll, I'll get things kicked off here with, with my proposal. DeMarco Murray to the Redskins and Terrell Pryor to the Titans. All right, so here's why. Redskins have a great offensive line. And they have been really, really committed to the run and establishing the run early and often in games. They've had a lot of success with it. But they don't have a real running back to take advantage of it. Rob Kelly's been great. Samaj P. Ryan less so. And Chris Thompson's been phenomenal. Wait, has Rob Kelly been great? Is that, is that a word we're so. using? I think, uh, okay. He's that been that as sounded great. like, he's been nice. <laughs> yeah. That he's didn't, that didn't sound like Rob great. Kelly can I mean, be. For, for, what, you know, for his draft spot, I guess he's, okay. been, he's been good, fine. He Not, said great, but he didn't but, mean great. Like lower, <laughs> lower case G, great. But regardless, they don't have a, three down, a true three-down back. They have uh, a first and second down guy in either Kelly or P. Ryan who will be the pounders. And then they got Chris Thompson, who has been phenomenal as a pass catcher and really good in the offense. I would say uppercase G with him this season. Uh, uppercase G, great, that is, to be uh, clear. But DeMarco Murray gives them a real three-down back. It's going to disguise their offensive sets a little bit more. 
And it breaks up the log jam in Tennessee, which I think has to be frustrating Derrick Henry owners. He's flashed potential. DeMarco Murray keeps blocking his path. Yeah, I mean, we, we thought a couple of weeks ago that, that Derrick Henry was going to turn this into a full-blown timeshare. You know, DeMarco Murray had that hamstring, got off to kind of the rough start the season. There was even some reasonable thought that maybe this will become Derrick Henry's backfield and DeMarco Murray will become more of the passing guy or at least cede the line share of the carries to the young, you know, second-round pick last year. Uh, but it hasn't really played out that way. There's been a sort of retrenchment of DeMarco Murray as the main guy in that backfield. And, you know, he's back to having a pretty good season. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Derrick Henry's at 4.3. No shame there. But, yeah, I mean, free Derrick Henry is, is part of the gist of this, I would imagine. Yeah, he's a running back one if, if he's the starter there. Um, and, you know, he still has some limited value in the, in the timeshare currently. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I like the idea of getting Terrell Pryor on uh, on the Titans, or at least off of the Redskins. It just hasn't really worked <laughs> to this point. Yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, pass-catching options in that offense, uh, from Jordan Reed to Jamison Crowder to even Josh Doxson, who's a little bit of a duplicate in terms of what Pryor can do, kind of that yep. go-up-and-get-it receiver. You know, he doesn't have a full-time load yet, but I think he could sort of— I think they could uh, they could survive without him. Um, and I think he would give uh, the Titans another uh, another weapon at the pass catching role. Yeah, the, yeah, the Redskins don't. They certainly don't look like they need Terrell Pryor, and it, cer- it certainly doesn't look like it's working. And like you said, Doxson seems to replicate a lot of things Pryor was supposed to bring to the offense. And with you know with uh, Ryan Grant there mm-hmm. as well, Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed was essentially a, an overgrown wide receiver. I mean, they don't really lack for weapons in the passing game, so it does seem like they could spare Terrell Pryor. No, and I think it fits for for Tennessee as well. If, if you put prior into that office he's he's there on a one-year deal so he doesn't cramp Corey Davis's style Davis is still recovering from an injury and they keep saying he's closer which really means he's not playing yet so again yeah. frustrating for fantasy owners who, hamstrings are, are problematic and he was a top uh top of the first round pick uh in the real NFL draft so you have Corey Davis if he comes back you have prior you have Decker you have Rashard Matthews that's a heck of a receiving core for Mar- Marcus Mariona when he gets back on the field right and prior gives them that big play threat that they don't really have um, at least with with Davis out and who right. knows once he's able to play if he can be that in his first year right. so I think prior and, would definitely help Mariota and you know you mentioned the other two the other two receivers there but I mean Decker is kind of expendable at this point he may just be completely done we, we, right. we can't be sure that he's not. Uh, you know, and Richard Matthews, nice little player, but not a dominant sort of wide receiver. So there's room, even if even if Davis pans out, there's room for Terrell Pryor also on that squad. It, it does simplify things for fantasy owners, in particular uh, those owning Rob Kelly or Samaj P. Ryan or Chris Thompson, because it's sort of hit or miss. I don't know. I have Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Thompson on one one on my rosters. I don't know if Rob Kelly is going to be out this week, and it looks like he might be again. Which I should play. Should I play Thompson? Should I play Piran? Should I play both? Like yeah. I, I it, yeah, it's, probably, probably neither. I'm vexed. I'm deeply vexed. Yeah, <laughs> neither is a better answer. All right, what are some other deals, guys? I look at a guy who I was pretty high on during the preseason, to say the um, least. Which uh, no, not Marshawn Lynch, Christian McCaffrey, the rookie, <laughs> yes, the, um, other, the other guy with Carolina had his first NFL touchdown this past week. Uh, been a little bit of a fantasy bust, to be honest. I mean, he he went uh, in most leagues. He was gone by the third round. Um, I th- I don't think it's an ideal fit with the Panthers, uh, even with their sort of mini offensive resurgence these last couple weeks. Uh, I would love to see him head out west uh, and play with the San Diego Chargers. I think give Philip Rivers uh, sort of the pat uh, the pass catching back he had when Danny Woodhead was there. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, that is going to be a pass heavy offense. Some issues on the offensive line. I think he'd be a much better fit there. Rivers a better quarterback match with him, and I would send Melvin Gordon, another semi-fantasy disappointment, 
at the running back position. Des's uh, favorite at player. Least, at least in some <laughs> weeks. And I would get him in the Carolina offense, which I think really thrives with that power running game. I don't think Jonathan Stewart's an every-down player um, at this point in, in, in his career. So I think uh, in each case, maybe a better role for these guys uh, and hopefully an increased fantasy output uh, for both McCaffrey with the Chargers and Melvin Gordon with the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of buried the lead there. I mean, if if, the, if that trade happened, of course it wouldn't. But I mean, Gordon getting traded would be the would be the headline. Or at least would be, I think, the first thing mentioned. Then like going for McCaffrey, but it would be a blockbuster trade, and there's some logic to it. And certainly in Carolina, uh, Melvin Gordon's I don't I mean 3.1 yards per carry average would look pretty solid. Uh, considering Jonathan Stewart isn't doing a whole lot better, and, and and we talk about Decker being on the downslope, I think Stewart certainly is as well. So, you know, there's there's some logic to that, except that I think that the Chargers really want Gordon to be that every down back, and I think Christian McCaffrey, you can't look at him that way. I think he's at this point really a passing downs back, at least until he bulks up a little bit. Yeah, I I just don't know what the Panthers think McCaffrey is. I, it, you look at his workload; it's there. It's not. Nothing, but right. it's not significant. If you're a fantasy owner of Christian McCaffrey, and I am, uh, this is so troubling just because you can't see what the future holds at all. I, I see no clarity. I mean, They've I, won I, without him the past two weeks, essentially, despite yeah. that touchdown. Well, I think what they think he is is someone who's not ready to, to run between the tackles, and I think there's a lot of logic. He's not, a, he's not a real big kid, and like I said, I mean, maybe a couple more off-seasons in the weight program, he gets to a point where... He becomes a little bit more, you know, a guy who's able to take on linebackers. But right now, I think they're pretty convinced that he's good in the passing game. He's got a fair amount of targets. I mean, 36 targets in five games, 27 catches. You know, he finally got that one touchdown last week on kind of a nicely designed shovel play. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, if that was off the top of Cam Newton's head or if that was a design of it. It looked like it certainly was one of the mm-hmm. main options. Anyway, they're getting some of what they, they drafted McCaffrey for, which was to give McCa- uh, to give uh, Cam Newton that short passing option, option, um, you know, and obviously if the offense is looking a lot better these days, maybe you can't, maybe you have to give the Panthers credit for starting to sort of figure it all out. But it's true that McCaffrey has not looked as explosive as we thought. He's not offered the big plays that we thought were coming. But you know, I, I don't know that he's a major problem for the Panthers. I don't know that it's fair to say he's lacked sort of the explosiveness because I don't think the the opportunities have really matched up with it, and I don't think. Cam, I think Cam's strength in the passing game is his ability to drive the ball downfield, but it's not as a precision passer. It's definitely not right. well, as an underneath thrower. Right. And, and so we, we knew I, that I coming in. Think, I, I, uh, correct, but I just think I don't think they've made that adjustment um, in their passing game. And so I think McCaffrey in in an offense with a more accurate quarterback, I think you would see that explosion more. And I think it's someone you know you need to kind of be able to carve out what the role is. Um, but to your point, 36 targets is not insignificant. I just think they've missed some of those plays just because he, he hasn't been a great match with Newton. All right, Des, so what's your real-world unrealistic solution to a fantasy football problem? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have, I'd like to see the Cardinals kind of blow things up a little bit here. They've, Interesting. They've, they've added Adrian Peterson. I don't know if that means, oh, they're loading up for one last run. I think they just saw what Chris Johnson was doing and thought, look, if we can get any other warm body in here, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Johnson was, he was like ill cast to be sort of the early downs back anyway. That was, even when he was good, I mean, I guess he was an every down player, but he's never like a real big guy, right? So he was never a guy you wanted to slam into the line. And then, you know, he's, you're swapping one age 32 player for another, but at least you're getting a much bigger body. And even in limited sample with the uh, Saints and rather unsuccessful stint with the Saints, Peterson's 3.0 per carry average looks better than Chris Johnson's 2. So I think. 2.5 for, for Chris Johnson, who just really was... And remember, the Cardinals cut Chris Johnson before the season, then brought him back after David Johnson went down. So obviously, it wasn't a player that they had major plans for 
to begin with or even really wanted to be on the team. You know, I, I think with, you know, with Peterson, there's a little bit left in the tank, but I think he's, he's sort of holding the fort till David Johnson gets back anyway. But to, to get, you know, to look elsewhere at the Cardinals, um, you know, Carson Palmer is slinging it around all over the, all over the field this year. Yes, he I mean, is. He's first in passing attempts. He's also first in sacks. He's going down like a sack of potatoes. The offensive line isn't helping out whatsoever. You know, and I just think at two and three, the Cardinals have, I think they're only one of three NFC teams with a losing record right now. One of the other two teams is the Cowboys, and you think they'll get their act together. So, you know, they're, they're not looking like a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. So why not just ship them out? I say send them to the Dolphins. Interesting. Yeah, well, interesting because Jay Cutler has been a complete abomination, right? Well, that, I mean, that part makes sense. But yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I think you know, I think the Dolphins, for whatever reason, they didn't want to go with Matt Moore once Ryan Tannehill went down. They, I mean, you can understand the logic of bringing in Jay Cutler. He had a history with Adam Gase, but it's so far really not working out. And I don't know if you can really reasonably expect it to do so. I think Palmer. Is, would be a clear upgrade on, on Jay Cutler and would revive that passing attack. I mean, they'd still have Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, Julius Thomas, for whatever that's worth. J.H.I. can do some things out of the backfield. I mean, they have weapons there. Mm-hmm. It just has not been happening to any uh, great extent. Um, so I'd like to see that. I'd also like to see if the, if the Cardinals are going to do that, how about shipping out Larry Fitzgerald? <laughs> like, I, I know, you know, you, you think of him as being a lifetime Cardinal, and maybe he can return and sign a one-day contract. The team... I would like to see Fitzgerald get sent to is the Bills. You know, they are... That's so mean. They have a shot. (laughs) Why would you do that to Larry? Because they desperately need a wide receiver. It's for fantasy purposes. Look, (laughs) poor Larry. This is not personal. When it comes to fantasy, it's business, not personal. Like I said, Larry Fitzgerald can always come back to the Cardinals. He's a legend there. There's no worry about his legacy there. The Bills desperately need a wide receiver of any sort. And the Cardinals, I think, could do without him. You know, they still would have John and Jerron Brown and J.J. Nelson. Well, they don't have a quarterback at this point, <laughs> yeah. so why? And they're blowing it up anyway. Receiver. Well, Peter, Peterson's going to throw the ball. Well, maybe they can trade for maybe they can trade for Jay Cutler and, and see how that goes. I'm less worried about that, and I'm, I'd like to see the Bills though get a, a get a good wide receiver on there. I mean, they just lost Charles Clay. We don't know when Clay's coming back, and he was essentially their top yeah. receiver. Zay Jones is not ready for prime time. Jordan Matthews is out with a thumb injury. You know, he should be back in a few weeks. But in the meantime, I mean, this is a team that looks pretty good elsewhere on its roster, and it, it has a pretty good schedule the rest of the way for QB and wide receiver. According to Rotoviz, it has the best schedule yeah. the rest of the season for quarterback and wide receiver positions, including in weeks 13 through 16, the fantasy, the home stretch. They play the Patriots, uh, Colts, Dolphins, and Patriots again. That's a nice-looking schedule if only they could take advantage of it. And, you know, just selfishly, like, I would like to see Tyrod Taylor have a weapon. I like Tyrod Taylor's talents. I think the Bills haven't served him very well with some of their roster construction. Obviously, trading away Sammy Watkins didn't help, even though we could talk about that possibly. I mean, Watkins not doing anything with the Rams. On paper, this is a great fantasy trade. Yeah. Send Sammy Watkins back to Buffalo. The only, the only thing I will say to the Cardinals is, if you guys are right and they should keep Palmer, then they should trade for Joe Thomas from the Browns. I mean, we know the Browns aren't going anywhere. They never are. They're rebuilding. Uh, Joe Thomas is another franchise icon, but boy, could the Cardinals use him on their offensive line, which has allowed the most sacks, the most Ugh. hits, the most hurries, Ugh. the most pressures Ugh. in the NFL this season. We know Palmer, like, he's, you know, he's possibly the least mobile quarterback in the NFL. He's the last guy in the world where you want a leaky offensive line. The Cardinals can't run the ball. We'll see what happens with Adrian Peterson. But I would like to see them make a move to at least keep him upright. So either trade Palmer or, for God's sake, bring in some offensive line help. I, for one, still want to see uh, Lake, Effect, Lake Effect Larry Fitzgerald up in <laughs> Buffalo. But uh, All right, let's move on to the stock watch. Stock watch. Stock watch. Well, the stock is clearly down for the New York Giants as a whole. They seem to be disappearing into a black hole. But 
Des, you have Sterling Shepard on the up list this week. Please explain. <laughs> well, sure, because he's not out for the season. Ah. So right away, that means your stock is up on the Giants, because unlike Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard should come back at some point. It may not be this week. He has an ankle injury. I think he was, he was in a walking boot. Um, and he, it, it probably won't even matter if he comes back this week because the Giants are at the Broncos. In fact, the next three weeks, this is sort of a long-term thing with Shepard because <laughs> the Giants' next three weeks go uh, as follows. At the Broncos, then they play the Seahawks at home, then they have a bye. So I'm not telling anybody rush out and go get Sterling Shepard. However, you are you, way ahead of the curve. You could, get him, you could probably get him very much on the cheap right now. And look, l- l- thinking about the rest of the season, like he's going to be the Giants' top wide receiver pretty clearly. I mean, unless they... Make a trade for somebody, and and or they I, shut him down. That would be my my phobia that they shut him down for the year. I think they're going to want to trot out something that vaguely resembles a football team, you know. And and if it's not <laughs> Sterling Shepard, then it's going to be Roger Lewis, you know, whose stock is also up by the way for sure. You know, he's sort of the next guy on the list. Has <laughs> uh, a pulse, <laughs> plays yes. wide receiver, right? Check. Well, he's he's probably going to be their top wide receiver this week. Again, not that it really matters. Right. They're at the Broncos. It's going to be a bloodbath there. I think Evan Engram is also clearly a guy who benefits from this. I'm just saying, you know, where, wherever there is, are these situations where there's just carnage, like somebody stands to benefit. Somebody's going to get the target. Somebody's going to elevate to the top of the depth chart. I think with the Giants, it it would you would imagine it's going to be Sterling Shepard. So eventually, that may pay off with some fantasy production. Although I don't think anytime too soon. Well, Dalvin Cook went down in Minnesota, and we all thought it would be Latavius Murray's show up up in the Land of Lakes, but it was Jarek McKinnon stealing the spotlight. Yeah, uh, well, I I had a I I picked up McKinnon in at least one league where I thought you know certainly he should not go unowned. I mean, he he made it past the first round of waivers, and I was thinking like, well, that's ludicrous. Uh, so I snapped him up for pretty low money, and I'm glad I did because yeah, I mean, you know the the team the Vikings start off giving Latavius Murray the ball. I think he got the first five carries, but. After that, I mean, it was the Jarek McKinnon show. He outtouched Murray 22 to nine, outgained him by like three to one. Had that big breakaway touchdown. Murray kind of looked like the guy we thought he might look like. His detractors thought he might look like kind of, I wouldn't say lumbering, but just like not good at running the ball. Like I don't think he has good vision. Uh, Jarek McKinnon has always been known as a great athlete who was a converted quarterback, so maybe he had some things to learn about the running back position. But he certainly seems like the more explosive guy. He's certainly the more versatile guy. You can throw it to him, you know, and he just looks like clearly the more more, more valuable fantasy asset uh, in, in Minnesota. Um, so I like Jarek McKinnon. I'm entirely alone in that. But, yeah, everyone who spent tons of money on Latavius Murray can only hope that was sort of a one-week blip and that next week uh, it'll all go back to normal. And I think he'll have a shot at that because they're playing the Packers, who aren't necessarily the strongest team uh, defensively in general. Um, so my next guy who's a sock up is Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, playing the Patriots. We know the Patriots uh, give up a lot of yards through the air, or at least were at the start of the season. They've they've kind of gotten their act together a little bit here. It also goes to the fact that, like, the Jets just don't have a lot of passing targets. Uh, Safarian Jenkins missed the first couple weeks on suspension. He was someone who was cut by the Bucs last year, and the Jets kind of picked him up off the scrap heap. He had some personal issues, I think, with alcohol. He seems to have, like, sorted all that out. He was a former second-round pick in the the real NFL draft and, you know, really uh, has a really nice size-speed combination I don't think you can necessarily look for big numbers from him just because I don't think the Jets' yeah. offense is going to produce big numbers, but I think he will continue to be one of the main cogs in that passing game. We saw him catch six of eight targets last week for only 29 yards, but he did get a touchdown. I just think, you know, when you're talking about tight ends, like, unless it's Gronk or Kelsey, like, you really have to rein in your expectations. Like, 29 yards and a touch. If a guy's going to get in the end zone, that's, like, most gets you most of the way there. And if he's going to get six, eight passes thrown his way, that gets you most of the way there to at least be competitive at that position. So I think ASJ has a, you know, has a nice future ahead of him for the, at least the rest of this season. ASJ? Sure, man. Austin Sperry and Jenkins? 
a little L- easier. Less than four Ask yards per target, though. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, it has it, he hasn't been racking up the yardage. But, look, you, you like to see the volume. You like right, to see a guy right. be important in the passing game. The yardage, you hope, will come. I mean, you hope it's not always going to be four-yard passes, but... The main thing is you like to see a tight end who looks like a primary weapon in his team's passing attack, even if it's the Jets' quote-unquote passing attack. On the other side of the spectrum, who is down this week? I'm going to go ahead and say Carlos Hyde is down, mostly because Matt Breida could have gone the other way with this and said stock up for Matt Breida. Let's but look at the bright side. <laughs> no, nah, not in this case. <laughs> I mean, mostly because Hyde was drafted to be, uh, if not an RB1, certainly like a high-level RB2, and he certainly started the season you know, his people who drafted him thought they like struck gold with him. He looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weird thing in this in this most recent game against the Colts was that Hyde supposedly had a hip injury, and so when Breida came in and looked good, he rushed for 49 yards on 10 carries, looked pretty shifty. Looked, you know, he looked like an explosive weapon there. You thought, okay, I guess Hyde was a little bit more injured than we thought. But then Kyle Shanahan said after the game, oh no, you know, I was just riding the hot hand. So if it's not injury related and Hyde is just being taken off the field for Breida, who played, I think. Uh, 35 out of 40, 72 snaps last week, which was a couple more than Carlos Hyde got, you know, that's something we might see going forward. I mean, if Breida continues to look good, Shanahan may just continue to ride a hot hand, and that would send uh, Carlos Hyde to the bench. Yeah, I'm really worried as a Hyde owner right now because if this devolves into a 50-50 or even a 60-40 split, I mean, if the, Niners well aren't, yeah, the Niners aren't going to score a lot of points, so you were sort of depending on that volume for Hyde's point production early. I, I'm really worried. I, I try and unload Carlos Hyde if you can right now. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a terrible idea because this doesn't look like something that's going to go away. Brita really wowed them in training camp. They released Tim Hightower. They sent Joe Williams to the IR. You know, they loved what they saw from him then, so you could easily see this becoming more of a timeshare than I think Hyde owners would, would like. Uh, speaking of which, yeah. speaking of timeshares, segue alert. Uh, <laughs> I know, I beat you to it. You love a good segue, Mike, so here's one. Speaking of timeshare, uh, Ty Montgomery, stock down. You have to feel like after what Aaron Jones did against the Cowboys that he's going to at least eat into Ty Montgomery's playing time. I mean, Montgomery... He was sort of had a ludicrous amount of playing time to start the season. He was getting like 98% of the snaps there in yeah. the first couple of games. That did seem kind of unsustainable. You know, and now that Aaron Jones has rushed, you know, he rushed 19 times for 125 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys. Now the Packers get the Vikings this week. We'll see if Ty Montgomery comes back. Even if he doesn't and Aaron Jones gets the majority of the work and he vastly outplayed Jamal Williams in that game, I don't necessarily think we can expect him to do that well again. I mean, the Vikings have a better defense than the Cowboys do. But I think he's shown enough already where you could see a scenario where the Packers just think, well, we can't just, you know, yeah, we just can't just put this guy on the bench. And, in fact, he might be the better early downs back than Ty Montgomery anyway, who could very well be better suited to the passing down role. Right. I mean, and Montgomery's still a new running back. He's new to the position. So I, I do think for his, for his own benefit and certainly for the team's benefit, uh, keeping him in more of a receiving back role while mixing him some running uh, but, but not making him have to go all three rounds uh, drive after drive, especially if they have confidence in Jones to to do some of that as well. So I, I think it's sort of in the best in interest of that offense long term for it to be more of a timeshare. And in the interim, we don't know if Montgomery will even be back or if he's on a pitch count or how that works. So uh, I definitely, for at least the next couple of weeks here, uh, Jones is definitely uh, on the way up. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, may, they may be more encouraged to let Montgomery take his time with this rib injury. Say, hey, you know, do what you got to do. Go heal up. We don't, we don't necessarily need you just yet. He's got a bit of an injury history anyway, so I, I do think that that was one of the concerns in, in yeah. when, uh, when he was being drafted. Yeah, I thought it was odd that he even had such a quick timetable he came back to practice. I mean, multiple broken ribs for a running back, well, really for any NFL player, but a running back in particular sounds like something you might want to let heal up just a little bit. 
Well, it's not like they're going to get hit at all. I mean, come yeah, on. I it's mean, not like it's like the NFL. Oh, wait. Right. Uh, so my last stock down, I'm gonna, I'll, we'll go quickly on this because we already mentioned him, Tyrod Taylor, and he's on a buy anyway, so it hardly matters for this week. All, all I'll add to that discussion is that he's not running as much as he used to, and that was always like a big part of his fantasy value. He's averaging 24.2 yards on the ground with zero touchdowns so far this season. This is after averaging almost 40 yards on the ground over the past two seasons with an average of five touchdowns. So, you know, you might expect that to pick up a little bit, but if Tyron Taylor is not giving you that rushing production, those like four to ten extra points you would get every week from him, then, yeah, you know, he, he loses a lot of his fantasy value. And his, his efficiency through the air has also dropped. He was 8.0 mm-hmm. two years ago on yards per attempt, 6.9 last year, 6.7 this year. So, you well, know, it's... Who's even throwing to anymore? Yeah, so. I mean, it's not necessarily his fault, that side of it. But, yeah, if, if he's not being efficient through the air, because that was another one of his calling cards, and he's not getting it done on the ground, then you have to say, stock down, my friend. Just wait till he gets Larry Fitzgerald. Fire, beware. 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 All right. Beware. The mistake by the lake could produce another mistake for fantasy owners. Jeff, Isaiah Crowell, buyer beware. Mistake by the lake, is that a a Cleveland thing? (laughs) Yeah, you've never heard that? Never. Oh, that's definitely a Cleveland thing. Oh, totally. All right, well. The lake also burns. It's catchy. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Well, yeah, maybe maybe this was another mistake. Isaiah Crowell, uh, uh, possibly a mistake if you drafted him. Uh, you know, he was going in the first three rounds in, in a lot of drafts. Um, uh, the Browns playing at the Texans uh, this weekend. Now, obviously, Houston's defense weakened by uh, by the season-ending injury to uh, to J.J. Watt. But uh, when you look at Crowell, he's currently ranks 44th out of 49 eligible running backs in yards after contact per attempt, which is a measure of how, how well a running back is doing at generating yards on his own. Uh, he just doesn't seem to have sort of that, uh, that explosiveness. Duke Johnson, on the other hand, does. He's more of a receiving back, but uh, I think when you look at sort of total touches, the Browns' uh, offense as they switch Kevin Hogan at quarterback, they're going to want um, they're going to get Johnson more action. Uh, I just don't think Crowell is, is really bringing that return on investment. And this week, I don't know. It depends on who you've got, but I don't know if you should be starting him this week. Well, I wouldn't say you're going out on a huge limb there because... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Crowell has been a complete disaster this season, but I'm going to go with a guy who has caught the fantasy community's attention. Uh, that would be Ed Dixon, tight end for the Panthers. Big week five. Five for five on targets with 175 whopping yards. That will, you know, that will catch the attention of everybody. That will make you a waiver claim. I, you know, this is a classic buyer beware because I think a lot of people are maybe just want to pick him up and say, okay, well, you know, he's 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 playing in place of Greg Olson. We've seen how that's worked out. Obviously, he's a guy who's important to the team. I mean, it's just that just obviously that on the face of it is not replicable. He's not going to go for 175 again. If he even goes for half of that, you'd have a great day. Since he's been with the Panthers, this is his fourth season now. In each of the three previous seasons, he didn't even have 175 yards for the season hmm. in any of those seasons. So you're saying this game might be a fluke. <laughs> now, granted, if you think that he is actually taking over from Greg Olson and we know how much of a, of a target he was, sure, you know, I, I'm not saying don't, don't, don't take a flyer on him, but I would say don't necessarily expect big things. The Eagles in je- also are they're kind of middle of pack in terms of fantasy points allowed to tight ends, but most of that is based on their average from one game where they got roasted by Travis Kelsey. Uh, the other three games or four games they've played to tight ends, they've been pretty they've held them to 43 yards with one total TD so a tough matchup for Dixon and I mean we just ha- need to consider that a fluke until we see otherwise well matchup is going to dictate my buyer beware and that is Mike Evans the wide receiver with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers he is the unlucky contestant on who is Patrick Peterson guarding this week 
Right. Peterson has been absolutely locked down since the start of the season. I think he's allowed two touchdowns all year, and one of them was when Des Bryant was like dragging half the Cardinals secondary into the end zone with him, and that was one of two catches Des Bryant had that entire game. Not encouraging if you are a Mike Evans owner. And this also means, as Jeff pointed out on the Monday show, you should probably look into Deshaun Jackson and Cameron Braid, especially for DFS leagues. This is the rule where if Patrick Peterson's taking the top option off the table, you got to throw the ball somewhere. Deshaun Jackson, Cameron Braid seem like good options this week. Yeah, yep. we saw that last week. Torrey Smith had a big game. Nelson Aguilar out of the slot as well. Uh, so certainly keep an eye on those guys this week. All right, let's look at the bargain bin. Value pick. So there's this scene in Major League where the executives are sitting around the table and they're passing around the roster and one guy says, I don't know half the names on this list and the ones I do know are way past their prime. Is that where the term mistake by the lake came from, by the way? It, it might be. Major League <laughs> is a great, great piece of American cinema. Everyone should watch it immediately. But my point being, Des, I have never once heard of your value pick. Who is, never, Ric- who is Ricardo Lewis? <laughs> yeah, you've never heard of Ricardo Lewis. Uh, well, he's a wide receiver for the Browns. That's the first thing you need to know. And he's probably their number one wide receiver these days. I mean, we know Corey Coleman is out with a hand injury. We know that Kenny Britt just seems to have fallen into complete disfavor. He's been phoning in. He was made inactive last week. Now, I don't know if he'll be inactive this week, but it may not matter. I mean, uh, Ricardo Lewis, look, you know, we talked about with, with Sterling Shepard, like even in, even in the worst situation, someone's got to get the target. Someone's going to get balls thrown their way, and th- that will give them fantasy value. Mm-hmm. In the case of... Ricardo Lewis, he's had 17 targets the past two weeks, 10 catches for 135 yards. He's got good size, you know, 6'2", 215. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016 out of Auburn. Uh, you know, and you look at what else they had, at least last week. I mean, the other guys they were throwing to included the likes of Bryce Treggs and Casey Williams and, and Richard Higgins. You remember Bryce Treggs? I think we <laughs> mentioned his name in the, in the preseason. Household name by now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and the other thing is, they're, they're benching Deshaun Kaiser. Kevin Hogan looked pretty good in, in his place. Uh, he looked actually extremely good, and I don't think we can expect, expect him to keep that up. But, you know, they're at the Texans, a, t- a team that just lost J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, so their pass rush won't be that bad. You know, if Hogan and Ricardo Lewis have kind of a thing, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying wide receiver one, but I'm saying if he's going to get, you know, an average of nine, ten targets coming his way or maybe eight, nine targets, like, that'll be good for fantasy. He'll be, he'll be good wide receiver three at the very least. He'll certainly be pretty cheap in daily leagues as well. All right, Jeff, who you like this week? Peter Waiter, Pierre Garçon, <laughs> the, uh, the 49ers wide receiver, playing against his old team uh, at Washington this week. Um, I think he had five catches on the first drive against the Colts uh, last week. Uh, so got off to a hot start and ended up with about nine fantasy points in standard leagues. Um, he's a guy who ranks 10th in the NFL this season in yards per route run. Uh, which is a metric from our friends at PFF, uh, which basically just measures how efficient he's been. He's clearly the number one target there, uh, even with Marquise Goodwin's big game last week. So uh, I think he's someone, if, if you've got him on your roster, absolutely start him this week against the Redskins. Will he have that revenge factor? I don't know. We try to be very uh, very objective here, but he's a, he's a guy you need to be starting this week. Well, about two weeks ago, I talked about dropping Cam Newton, but now I am all in on the Panthers' offense, and they get a pretty good matchup taking on that Eagles secondary and Devin Funchess is going to get a lot of Jalen Mills, who, by the way, ranks 93rd out of 109 qualifying cornerbacks. So uh, Daniel Kelly at Pro Football Focus touted this matchup in our Best and Worst Matchups of the Week. You can find that on WashingtonPost.com. And Funches has also gotten three touchdowns in the last two games. Now, he's not 
a prolific receiver. He hasn't had a full good season. But this game, he seems like a really good investment. If you have him on your team, get him in a lineup. If you play Daily Fantasy, I like Devin Funches. <laughs> so to summarize, you guys are suggesting that people play uh, Pierre Garçon, who's been really good in fantasy, and Devin Funches, who's been really good in fantasy. Good thing one of us is out here giving actually useful advice. Ricardo Lewis, people, pick him up. i got to find him in my phone book first. Hold on. What to watch for. <laughs> Jeff, uh, I think you might be a sadist because I'm looking at what you're watching on Sunday night, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, we already talked about it. The Giants playing the Broncos on Sunday night football. Now Denver's uh, pass defense, uh, one of the best in the NFL. Maybe not quite as good as Jacksonville's this year, but certainly one of the top units. Uh, let's just find out how this, uh, how things get split uh, in the Giants' offense. Maybe they go to more. Uh, you know, more of two running back sets. Obviously, we've, we've always talked about the 11 personnel there. They always play the three wide receivers. Well, they don't have any wide receivers left, so let's see sort of how how things get distributed. Uh, Evan Engram, the tight end, might be uh, might be a frequent target there, and we still don't really know. We haven't answered the the, the, the debate. Orleans Darkwa or Wayne Gallman in the backfield. <laughs> oh, we answered it. Darkwa, Darkwa answered got the it. touchdown last week. <laughs> Gallman got more carries. So let, let's yeah. see how uh, how this thing shakes out. Uh, if they're able to move the ball at all against Denver's defense. One thing I'm going to be watching in that game, I think Shane Vereen is going to line up at wide receiver quite a bit because somebody has to, and he's a warm body. He's the best pass-catching back they have. you got to find a way to get get him in there somehow, right? Yeah. So may as well. I mean, all the Giants have left are a bunch of running backs in, in various ways, in shapes and forms, so they better use them as much as possible. Uh, I'm looking at the Colts at Titans. I'm sort of interested in how the Colts fare this week. Uh, Marlon Mack, you know, was was a hot name on the waiver wires. He had certainly looked explosive as heck last week. Nine nine carries for 91 yards, got a touchdown. Is he going to keep eating into Frank Gore's playing time? Probably will, right? Because Frank Gore is kind of cooked, and the Colts, like, why wouldn't they try to get, like, one of their more athletic players on the field? Just want to see that continue to happen. It's a nice matchup for the Colts. Uh, the Titans, even after holding the Dolphins to 16 points, which actually was a terrible defensive effort if you consider what the Dolphins <laughs> had done the previous two weeks. Them scoring 16 points is like another team scoring 40. So the Titans are still pretty quite, pretty sketchy on defense. So I think the Colts can do some good things here. I also want to see Jacoby Brissett play well in a road game. His only road start so far this season was at Seattle, so we can give him a pass for not doing very much there. But can he keep feeding T.Y. Hilton? Uh, I'm going to be looking for that. You know, with a with another big game from T.Y. Hilton, which would make it, I think, three in his past four, plus you add in reports of Andrew Luck practicing, possibly coming back soon, I think that would make Hilton a pretty nice sell-high candidate because if you look at the if you look at the playoff schedule, and for teams that have T.Y. Hilton who think they're going to make the playoffs, in weeks 13 through 16, here's the Colts' schedule at Jags, at Bills, versus the Broncos, and at Ravens. Yeah, that's not too optimistic. No, that's pretty rough, so... You know, I think I think you're hoping Hilton do, goes off again here, maybe catches like 150 yards, and then you put him on the trade block. That would be interesting to me, and 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 hard for me to say no to as a buyer because I, T. Y. Hilton's a really good player, and he yeah. gets a ton of balls thrown his way. I, I right, and if you think, oh, he's doing this with, with Brissett, well, what'll happen when Andrew Luck comes back? But the thing is, we don't even know because Luck right. might not might be a shell of his former self. It might take him a while to get going. So, you know, I think it, I think he'd be a good guy to sell high on. I want to learn something from Thursday night football, and that is going to be how. Good Carson Wentz can be 
without Lane Johnson. Last season, he really struggled. Des promised he would send me some stats to uh, tell me how bad he struggled, but he didn't do it because he was busy <laughs> synchronizing his heartbeat to Orleans Dark was. Right. But Sorry. I'm looking up, I'm, I've got my phone out. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll give it to you in just a moment. Take my word for it, though. Keep talking. Carson Wentz really struggled. I think they were 5-1 uh, and one with Lane Johnson in the lineup last year where the Eagles, without him, they were considerably worse. Again, lacking those <laughs> stats. Des type faster. Oh, here we go. Okay, so with Lane Johnson, uh, Carson Wentz has a 9-2 and two record, uh, 65.3% passing, 20 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 99.9% rating. Without Lane Johnson, he has a 2-8 and eight record, uh, 61.2% completions, 6 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 70.7 rating. So way worse. That is pretty much the definition of night and day. So we will figure out if the sun is up on Thursday night when the Eagles play the Panthers. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I who they're so. playing for a yeah. second. <laughs> right. Should be an actual good game on Thursday night. All right. Well, that does it for this week. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and I think we're on Google something or other now, right? I hope so. All right. We are, uh, we are everywhere good podcasts. Just Google. Just Google. Just find us. And once you find us, please leave us a review, particularly on iTunes. You can find all of our fantasy football content on TheWashingtonPost.com and give us a shout on Twitter. I'm at Mike Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.